Hello, everybody, and welcome to What's on Draft, the podcast where we each take five picks around a topic we've written from books, music, movies, TV shows, or anything else in the universe. And you, the listener, open the envelope and tell us which picks are the winner. My name is Paul, and I am joined tonight by my usual co-host, Michael, and that is it. Mike, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I got to say, the information inside the envelope better be written in pictographs if they want me to read it correctly. <laughs> no, we, we want no uh, no moonlight, the La La Land um, uh, scenario tonight, this evening. So, uh, listeners, we are... Uh, we are doing a, a duo pod tonight because our fellow co-host Cameron, as of the week of this recording, is now a father. So Cameron is off enjoying time with his new baby. Um, we mentioned that in the episode that's going to air next week. We bumped this episode up a little bit to go with the Academy Awards. So uh, it might be a little, a little odd with our upfront information for, for next week. Uh, but, uh, we're gonna, <laughs> you, you'll get, you get one more episode with Cameron next week and then, um, we'll, we'll be giving him several weeks off, uh, for a little, little paternity leave from the pod. So, uh, we are, we are filling in tonight and talking Oscars. Uh, I, you know, I was looking at the list of nominees for this year and I, uh, I, I don't think, well, I know I have not watched any of the best picture nominees for this year. How about you? I haven't seen the list. So can you run that down for us just real quick? Yeah. Let me, uh, pull it up here. Are, are there five? Is that how many typically they nominate? Uh, there's, so they upped it. I forget what year they did the change. They, you know, they switched it so you can go up to 10. Oh my gosh. So there's more than five, but this one. Okay. So. The best picture nominees are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Okay. The Sound of Metal is one that I've heard some buzz about with Riz Ahmed. Mm -hmm. I've heard good things. Uh, our local DJs here, John and Deke, have talked about it and raved about it. And then I've heard about Nomadland that I believe stars Francis McDormand. Yes, Francis Man, McDormand, yeah. I've not heard about several of these. Yeah, I so Sound of Metal is one I have heard about. Um, like you said, I've, I've heard it really praised everywhere. I don't know, it's... Um, uh, just the right. So for listeners that don't know, the concept is it's a musician who is losing his hearing. And so the movie plays around with sound because he's kind of going on a tour to a bunch of concerts and stuff to try to get it all in before his hearing goes all the way. So they they edit mm -hmm. the sound. So you kind of get that feeling of the loss of hearing, which as a concept is like one of the things that m most freaks me out <laughs> of a bunch of. I just, uh, I don't know, so much of my life is oriented around sound that losing my hearing is uh, mm -hmm. one that, I don't know, I, I might feel uncomfortable watching that one. Uh, Minari is set here in the Ozarks, so that has been on my list to oh, potentially watch. I have heard about that uh, from uh, a writer who is uh, Korean-American. Yes, yep. 
and it's it's semi-autobiographical it's sort of like his own experiences here yes but, i believe uh, fictionalized the story yeah, i believe it's a family that comes and works on a farm here in the ozarks mm-hmm. is the idea yeah mm-hmm. and i i want to say that it was nearby like lincoln yep you're right lincoln arkansas was uh so yeah I, i'd be um interested to see that one just see you know yeah so yeah the the father is um about uh um a man going going through dementia i believe oh that's that's a so hard that's, watch yeah anthony anthony hopkins and olivia coleman is his daughter of these, the ones that the one that was sort of like on my list to watch already, uh-huh. I haven't gotten to yet, was Judas and the Black Messiah, just based on who's involved, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the trial of the Chicago Seven, I've heard, is just very typical Aaron Sorkin movie. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. just not my cup of tea. <laughs> so well, it wasn't. yeah, you, you would expect a lot of dialogue. Yes, kind of yeah. machine gun pace. Yeah, uh, but it's it's also got a great cast and a bunch of other. Um, I think Sacha Baron Cohen is up for supporting actor from that movie, so it's got some bunch of other. Oh, that's right. Movies. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, clearly we're not the best to go to for uh, <laughs> predictions for, for this year. <laughs> no, not for current picks. <laughs> I wonder how many people haven't seen as many. And, you know, the the ratings have been going down for years on the ceremony. This year, I feel like, is not going to help with so few people seeing movies. It's, yeah, it's funny because people have had probably more time to watch movies this year than they have in decades. <laughs> so it's interesting. We'll, we'll see what it looks like maybe next year when people catch up. I don't know. Yeah. Uh-huh. They should have given one best picture award to just like a, a totally off the or nominations or to like a totally off the wall movie, just to see if that would get people to, to Eurovision. Turn yeah, there you like best picture nominee, Eurovision. That's it. That goes on the uh, what's on draft best picture nominee list. It's on my list, man. For this past year, this is a good one. It's hard to watch movies that are too real or kind of depressing when the world's in a pandemic they could have just given it to songbird the michael bay movie about covid (laughs) just to make everyone more depressed this is a thing oh yeah you haven't seen it what is this uh it's it's set heard of this it's set like uh a number of like like in the in the near future where covid has um has mutated to the point where it's even more contagious and deadly and so because of that like a totalitarian government has taken over to force everyone to like be locked in their homes at all time basically and it's uh i think it's set in an apartment and um uh this girl has potentially an infection and her boyfriend's trying to stop the government from killing her because of her potential infection or something I, I i don't know the exact details but i do know it's about uh it's a world where covid gets much worse is the premise of the movie wow so yeah when you said it was called songbird i just imagine 
I think it's from the movie Enchanted, where she sings and all the animals come in and help make a dress and everything. Yep. Do you remember this? Yes. Yeah. And she sings too high and the birds explode. <laughs> I I just imagined that, but with Michael Bay direction and much grander explosions. Just the the bird explodes and the whole building goes. <laughs> oh man well listeners uh since we're clearly not the guys to go to for 2021 oscar uh recommendations we thought we would do some oscar recommendations that uh, we are qualified or at least we have seen the movies um so what we're going to be drafting tonight is uh is the top uh the last 40 best picture award winners um, so we're recording this a couple of days before this Oscar. So even though the ep- by the time this episode releases, the 2021 Best Picture winner will be crowned. We are not going to include that. So we're going back. Uh, we're going from Parasite back to Ordinary People in 1980. And since it's just the two of us, we're going to be going past five movies. All right, we'll see. Um, uh, see how far we get based on sort of timing. We're, we're playing a little by ear without our usual setup here, but uh, we are just going to be taking the Best Picture Award winners and then asking you, right, which set of movies uh, you think is the is the better set of movies. Now, Paul, you, you said something there. Movies that we've seen. Is that a must? I don't think you have to, but you still have to justify it. So I feel like if you haven't seen it, your justification okay. is not going to be as good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I, I think I've, you know, True. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to gravitate towards the one I've seen anyway. Um, just because I, you know, I have a better connection to them. But okay. there's definitely a few big ones on here. Like I haven't, I haven't seen Parasite yet. So there's a few big ones I haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. I know are near the top of people's mm-hmm. lists. So I might, I might lose out on those. All right. Well, we flipped a coin and Paul came up heads. So he is going to take our first pick here. Uh, that is right. Uh, our very, um, our very authentic coin toss where I Googled uh, coin flip simulation. <laughs> yeah. There, so with my, the first pick here, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little torn when it comes to the best picture winners, right? There's a lot of ones that are phenomenal movies that can be a little hard to get through because they just cover serious topics, right? And then there are some that are uh, mm-hmm. an easier watch than others. And so um, I think for my list, I just gravitated towards the ones that I feel like kind of hit hit both lanes, right? Ones that for whatever reason are are rewatchable um, without having to get too as heavy, uh, but also have great filmmaking technique, right? Um, so uh, that said, there's there's a couple of ones I gave consideration here for the number one pick, but um, I am going to go back uh, a little farther in the list here, and I'm going to kick it off with The Silence of the Lambs as my number one pick. Um, this one, I think, just as uh, from 1992, uh, I believe it has um, just a phenomenal cast, uh, fantastic performances, but also 
um, just the the way everything is paced, especially in this movie, is such a great job of building tension and suspense around the performance of all the characters to where all of the scenes hit uh, exactly as they are supposed to hit, right? It can ratchet up from kind of calm to creepy and maniacal very quickly. I don't know, maybe I was influenced because the one film class I ever took as an undergrad at Arkansas, we, uh, this was one of the weeks we did Silence of the Lambs um, and, and studied that one. So I don't know, maybe that biased me a little bit, but I think this one hits a, a great combination of a movie that is, is, I don't know if I'd say fun to watch, but if you like, you know, suspenseful kind of tense movies is a good rewatchable one. Plus just very, very high technical skill in the creation of it. Now, this is one that I don't think I have seen in its entirety in a sitting. I think I've seen probably the whole movie by now, but just bits and pieces on TV, which is really unfortunate because I know it is a well-made movie. It's interesting that this is your number one pick here. This is uh, not the Buffalo Bill from history that we learn about. (laughs) This is a very, very different <laughs> Buffalo Bill. Um, what I didn't realize is, is how many were in this series. Mm-hmm. So I think there's actually a movie before this called Manhunter with the actor that went on to play Grissom in uh, CSI. Mm-hmm. CSI Las Vegas. And then there's the Red Dragon movie as well. And then they made Hannibal and so on but those other two that star other villains interest me it's just in the same universe yes yeah it's it's kind of like the uh jack ryan movies right where you until you really sit down and think about it you don't realize how connected a bunch of those are all right well that is a uh lethal first pick there paul Uh oh well since you've picked a kind of dark horror movie should i stay in that vein or should i go in a different direction i think i i will go with 2007's no country for old men for my first pick so this is the coen brothers and it stars josh Rowland and javier bardem and tommy lee jones and set out in west texas it's got a lot of really powerful visuals. I enjoy the use of very little music in the movie. They let the landscape speak. They use a lot of just the natural sounds. And so there's a lot of quiet. And I feel like that helps with the seriousness of the film. As far as I know, this is not based on real events. Uh, I think it's a Cormac McCarthy novel. That's what it's based on. Yes. Uh, I saw a description, though, that said that it was a darkly funny novel. And there's nothing funny in the movie to me. So do you understand that, Paul? Is that I haven't read the novel. And I wonder if, you know, the Coen brothers sort of milieu tends to be black humor 
And there's, yeah, you're right. There's yes, not, and there's I not see nearly that. as much of it in No Country for Old Men. And so I wonder if no. just because it's connected to them, if they were like, oh yeah, it's probably funny too, <laughs> just because it's a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, the, there are other movies, you know, Fargo and, uh, did they do A Simple Plan as well? Uh, anyway, the, that style of movie, yeah, there, there's a lot of comedic elements. There's really not a lot of funny in No Country for Old Men, but uh, acting is excellent. Javier Bardem, his haircut is the funniest thing about the movie, but it makes him look like a serial killer, you know? It, it fits the character. Yep. Uh, a Simple Plan was Sam Raimi, by the way. Sam Raimi, okay, out. well. Yeah. But yeah, Sam Raimi and the Coen brothers very similar uh, stylistically. Yeah, I was going to bring up the haircut. Definitely, that's um, the most scary that haircut has has ever been. Probably, is <laughs> uh, yeah uh, this one. But what what it was also near the top of my list, right? It was uh, definitely in the when I when I sort of picked the top five. This one was mm -hmm. in the top five for me. Well, good. I'm glad I pulled it. It's one of those where again, just the scenery draws me in. I've got some family from West Texas and I went there as a small child and it's kind of a bleak landscape. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's interesting to see. Also they go to El Paso and you get to see kind of the border region. I don't know. Yeah. I, I really like all of the elements, the fact that it's set uh, before zones, you know, there's mm -hmm. a, there's that lack of technology aspect too. So it's harder to track down this killer. Yes. Yep. And very right. You're right. The the long stretches of silence and just the setting, right, uh, give it a very Western kind of feel mm -hmm. to, yeah. to what's going on. And, and you know, I've, I've, it probably we can just make it a blanket statement, I would assume, for all these movies. But great cast and um, really good uh uh, just everyone just fits their role perfectly in this mm -hmm. one. I think. Yeah. So kids out there, if you want to see what Thanos looks like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would really change the movie if he had the infinity <laughs> stones. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, all right. Well, we are, uh, since it's just the two of us, we are not doing the, our snake format here. So it, comes back to me for the second round and i think i'm going to take a movie that i have drafted before um, <laughs> oh what right uh how is this we... not against the rules paul <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, when we did the trilogy draft i took lord of the rings up top and one of the reasons i took it was because uh just for the variety right there's not a lot of great um sword and shield style fantasy stuff in in uh, just straight fantasy in movies mm -hmm. so uh for that same reason i'm gonna grab return of the king here um there's nothing you know like it in the rest of the best picture winners it kind of stands out in that regard and i want a little variety to my picks here but also just uh, amazing that they were able to pull off the ending to the trilogy especially after you watch the extended versions of all the films to see that they had that much content prepared and they had to edit it down into three movies and the movies work so well and conclude so well in this one 
Whereas a lot of third movies, you know, can have a satisfying conclusion, but not, uh, not tie things up as well. But this one's got big sweeping action. Plus, you know, the real driver of the trilogy is all this character development, especially on, uh, on, on uh, dealing with Frodo and just having all of that have such a good satisfying conclusion, I think is just a, a masterful that they pulled it off and worth all of the rewards that it received that year um, for this movie, but also as part of, right, really, you know, you knew they were rewarding the trilogy and everything the trilogy accomplished with all of the awards they gave to Return of the King. And I think that was uh, well worth it. So I am going to snatch it up here. Yeah, you're right that this is an unusual one. This is an outlier on the films. Seems like there's a lot of action, there's a lot of drama, but not a whole lot of fantasy at all. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a solid pick. All right. Well, where are you going with this one? Well, I'm going to go with another epic tale set in current times in a faraway land. So one reason that I like this so much is that the setting is, uh, you know, not the United States. It's, it's very different. We get to see a lot uh, throughout this journey. I'm picking Slumdog Millionaire. I really enjoy how this story unfolds. The really simple premise of, of being on a, a, a game show and then knowing all of the answers because of these life experiences. So that's, it's a movie that I've seen a few times now and uh, really, really enjoy it. Uh, stars... Uh, Blanking on the names, Paul. Uh, Dev Patel. And... Yeah, stars Dev Patel and Frida Pinto. Yes, yeah. That was it. Yeah, I was trying to remember who else was with Dev. But yeah, yeah, Frida Pinto. Yeah, this is uh, one of the ones that I have actually never watched. Um, I was trying to really? think what... Yeah, so 2008, I was trying to think what was going on in 2008 that I, I missed it and just have not come back to it. Uh, but yeah, middle of college. Yeah, I guess I was, I don't know, going into, going into junior year, I, maybe I had too much going on, Uh, but, um, yeah, I did not catch this one and, um, I don't know, not, I haven't been avoiding it. It just hasn't made it onto my watch list since then. It's one of these that has a lot of ups and downs in it and, this person had a lot of really terrible life experiences, but uh, was not broken by them. So it's it's a interesting fiction and uh, well worth a watch. Yeah, yeah. It's I you know I I I guess I plan on watching it someday. I want I would like to watch it. I just <laughs> haven't uh, just haven't uh, gotten around to it yet. It's one of these though that. If, if I didn't know it was on an Oscar list, I don't know. Looking at like an Oscar list, it seems like, uh, I don't know, highbrow, I guess, is what I think. But a lot of these are not. You know, they're not mm-hmm. the stuff you study in film class. A lot of these are mainstream or action movies. So mm-hmm. that's kind of surprising to me. Yeah, and it's... It, it, you know, it's a good mix. You've got some of the, I guess, some of the more highbrow ones, uh, some of the ones that are more popular, and then 
the the really random ones that beat out a, a great movies but are just kind of nothing movies those seem to be the three <laughs> right the three categories I don't don't get remembered but somehow win right yeah yep all right well third third round then uh i am gonna go with another one that um uh you know looking at like rankings of best picture nominees this is a bit lower um to most people i guess but personally, one of my favorites from the list, more recent one. Um, so this was the 2015 Best Picture winner. I am going with Birdman. Um, so the right, Birdman by Alejandro Inarito, the, the director, um, shot uh, to resemble a one take, one single shot, right? It wasn't actually, obviously it was not filmed in one single take, but um, the cinematography blends everything together so perfectly that there are very few obvious points where you see, okay, they probably cut the camera up here. Um, and so because the way it follows in one take, you get really great performances, um, particularly by Michael Keaton. And um, this was sort of the start of Michael Keaton coming back into a bunch of stuff, right? I can't remember the timing of uh, a bunch of his stuff, but I feel like now you're starting to see Michael Keaton in more things after he'd kind of been off the radar for a bit. And this was definitely a huge part of that and just um, a fun movie. I love the soundtrack to it. There's a lot of sort of jazz drums and stuff that really drive what's happening, which is necessary since it's a single take. There's a lot of, you know, transitioning scenes where the camera is panning across something. And so they fill that in with some music in an interesting way. Um, and, uh, yeah, so good, good one. And also beat, uh, boyhood, which as I've said in, in the pod was a movie that I really did not enjoy. So I, I was glad to see Birdman take the best picture that year. Had I been in charge, I probably would have chosen boyhood just because it was <laughs> one of those that just left you kind of speechless afterward. I was watching it intently though. You know, I didn't have anything else going on, just focused on the movie. And it's so weird to watch someone's life actually pass by the yeah. filming in real time. However, Birdman was on my list. Uh, it was one of my favorite picks here that I've actually seen. And the jazz drumming is amazing. It's so having good. just the minimal drum soundtrack. It works so well, yeah. keeps it really upbeat. Uh, I, I was thinking about other Keaton movies that had been around this time. Uh, the Other Guys, he had a hilarious role. That was 2010. Okay. And so when was this one? 2015? Yep. Okay. And then he went to be the Vulture in the mm -hmm. Spider-Man movies. That's around, somewhere around this time. Yeah. So I've got his IMDb up here. And he was... Um, yeah, so Birdman came out in 2014, and prior to that, he, yeah, he had not been in a lot for a while. He was in, uh, the RoboCop remake. Oh, gosh. The Need for Speed movie. 
Um, oh my goodness. Did some short film. Yeah. Then it's like nothing like two episodes of 30 rock. And then you get back to the other guys, but in the other guys, he, you know, was sort of a cameo appearance basically. Well, he plays their boss and yeah. So there's a couple, couple key scenes with him, but he absolutely steals the scene when he's in it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even then you go back to uh, the early 2000s, he's in like Herbie Fully Loaded and Cars. Yeah, what was his career at that time? And then 2015, Yeah, Oscar. Yeah, then he gets Birdman, and then right after Birdman you get, uh, he's in Spotlight, He he was in The Founder, which got a bunch of good press. That's a good one. Like you said, Vulture... Um, now he's going to be in a whole bunch of other uh, Marvel stuff. Plus, he's coming back as Batman in the Flash movie. So, yeah, what? This, yeah, he's he's going to be um, he's going to be reprising his Batman role in the upcoming Flash movie. So that Birdman really kicked off like the the Michael Keaton Renaissance here. Good for him. Yes, that, that's a, that's a nice turnaround there. Yeah. Okay. Well, Paul, we probably have too much in common here. So <laughs> I I probably better pick ones that I like and get them out of the way so that you don't steal them because I wanted Birdman. Um, I'm going to go with a super nostalgia pick. Love this movie for all of the reasons it's intertwining these historical events and doing it in a humorous way, but also heartfelt. I'm going to take Forrest Gump. So this is Tom Hanks. Uh, It came out in 1994. It's Rotten Tomatoes rating is not high enough, in my opinion. I feel like this is one of the most creative ways to tell a historical fiction. Um, I know that... uh, this character uh, we've talked about the ending of the movie when he's with the sun, just kind of mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to watch just cause it's so sweet, but uh, it, it ends well. Um, all the life experiences that he has pretty astounding. I like all the editing of historical footage that they do in the movie. Mm-hmm. That's really fun as well. So absolutely. This one, um, yeah, near the top of my list, it's one that people tend to um, dog a little bit as a, as a best picture winner because it beat Pulp Fiction and it has so much earnestness, right? That I think a particular type of film critic is just not going to gravitate towards it but mm-hmm. um just just fun to watch uh, so so much great comedy uh, this is my dad's like favorite movie and mm-hmm. no matter how many times he watches it he he could just crack up through most of the movie and the the way they meshed the historical footage was done so well that even you know with so much more technology today you see worse examples of that true happening. Mm-hmm. absolutely uh, and so, so from mid nineties, that's a, it's a great yeah. effort. Yeah. 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 I imagine. Um, 
Uh, it'd be great to see someone try to try to do like an update. Just just let's get let's get twenty more years of forest stumbling through. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's uh, a sequel for us. Uh, How did that not make our sequels list fall? Did we? We might have mentioned it in the X. I don't remember, but yeah, it should have been. Uh, it can end with um, Forrest getting in, you know, uh, uh, getting some some pangolins out there and accidentally setting off the, the COVID virus or something. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah. What were you if you were over the past like two decades? Right. What uh, where would we where would you put Forrest? I mean, he'd have to have something to do in Iraq or Afghanistan. Hmm. And so. you have to consider, too, that he's incredibly wealthy from his his yeah. fruit stock his fruit stock yeah maybe he sets off the financial crisis because he convinces people to make bad real estate investments oh no or something <laughs> i don't know maybe, maybe we're just too close to it but i can't think of like every historical example i think is just very negative yeah exactly and and i feel like he was not ever the cause of any yeah. of these things he was more just there. Just there, uh, yeah, that's Except right. the smiley face. He is to blame for the smiley face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's see. He could... Um, uh, when did... I don't know. When did Nike do the Just Do It? He, maybe he came up with the Just Do It campaign. <laughs> yeah, that might have even been a part of his jogging phase. I don't remember. Yeah, it might. Let's see. I've just looked up historical events for the the nineties. Call for yeah. These are just all depressing. Uh, yeah, the Branch Davidian standoff, the earthquakes. So that's that's something mm. that they they managed to do is to strike a balance between all the depressing stuff because it's there's a lot of dark things that he goes through in the movie yeah i mean he's but, going to vietnam and mm -hmm. yeah he's definitely involved in some dark stuff i guess the best thing to do would be to take people who make good caricatures mm -hmm. so you know you take like bill clinton and he was oh. famous for like trying to run off when he was out jogging and stuff like that and go stop at like McDonald's. So uh -huh. maybe Forrest runs into Bill Clinton at McDonald's or something like that would be the way you approach In his them. jogging shorts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, maybe that's how you do it, but yeah, definitely, a, definitely a great movie. Uh, one that I think Pulp, I mean, Pulp Fiction is a great movie as well. I, I like it, but I think because of that, this movie gets unnecessarily, dogged by people and it's uh does, does not deserve it all right so now uh i think we got a lot of the easy picks at least for me off the board but i think what i'm gonna do is uh i'm gonna go for for all variety here right so that at the end of the draft i've got some of the more unique winners uh here i don't know that was my strategy for the trilogy draft it served me well i'm gonna go for it again uh so i am gonna go for uh the musical here on the list i'm gonna take chicago right since uh since la la land was not actually the winner 
Um, it does not have another musical, another straight musical to uh, compete against it. And um, this one um, has a, a bunch of great numbers in it, uh, a bunch of great scenes and just bright and colorful. And again, I, I, if I'm just sort of ranking what I think are the most important movies, this one definitely is not in my top 10, but just for enjoyable Again, the fact that it's been a long time since musicals were real serious contenders at the Oscars and just uh, as a fun time, right? I think this one uh, makes sense to grab and put onto my list. So I'm going with Chicago. This is one that was uh, catching my eye. Yeah. 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 So a lot of great music in this. Very, very entertaining. I feel like uh, the storytelling through the song is excellent. Mm -hmm. So solid pick here. A lot of great visuals. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, visuals uh, um, a little bit easier, I feel like, with uh, musicals um, in that you, you can add sort of pizzazz and stuff. Yes. To, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. A dance number that you just you can't randomly throw in some brightly lit you know spotlights and things if you're doing the departed or something like that um but yeah great cast um again on this one and because it's a musical you get a big ensemble in the cast um so you've got queen latifah renee zellweger Catherine zeta jones richard Gere, john c Riley. so just a bunch of heavy hitters mm -hmm. um and people that right a lot a lot of those um, actors involved are ones that are uh, highly versatile, right? Like, like John C. Riley, I think could just do basically any role you give him, um, <laughs> from straight comedy to you know very serious. Mm -hmm. um, and he can sing, so yeah, he's got it all. So yeah, Mr. Um, Cellophane. That's right. So yeah, this one um, this one is is on my list for just pure enjoyment factor. All right. Well, I, too, want to diversify my list even further. So I am going to select a movie that I have not seen. Oh, risky. I know. So I looked, and a lot of these ones from the past 10 years or so, I have missed. Mm -hmm. And it's... With less free time, it's hard to watch movies that are too real or, you know, are going to get get me down. Um, so I haven't watched a lot of the more serious dramas. But the story, the premise for Parasite sounds incredibly interesting. So I'm going to pick Parasite. Uh, it won in 2019. Mm-hmm. Or it's from 2019. Yes, it's the 2020 Oscars, but it was a 2019 mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. Super high Rotten Tomatoes score. And it is a story about the kind of class system in South Korea. And there are two families. So it says greed and class discrimination threaten the newly formed symbiotic relationship between the wealthy Park family and the destitute Kim clan. So I, I want to see this and uh, kind of see how they approach this. It says that it's rated for 
some violence. I'm curious, you know, what I was thinking it was more of just a drama, but uh, I worked with a lot of South Korean students in college. And so uh, I would, you know, just like to see this movie for that reason too. Yes. Kind of get a glimpse into South Korean cinema and some more cultural elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mentioned up front, this was one I had not watched either. Um, so we're we're both sort of in a, a uncharted territory, I guess, with this one. But mm-hmm. um, was very excited to see a foreign language film win Best Picture. Right, uh, yeah. That was, that was awesome. And then the pictures of um, Bong Joon-ho, the director, uh, backstage um, at the time, like he was going back to you know, take the pictures and then go to the after parties and things like that. And he just had armfuls of Oscars because it won so many awards that evening. And, uh, he, he was, he was memed for a while there because he just looks, he had like this huge grin and he was just so, he looks so happy holding his armful of Oscars that, uh, was some, some really great photographs backstage from that one. So, uh, yeah, it's one that I also want to watch, but obviously, you know, watching it subtitled, you have to carve out mm-hmm. um, a solid block of time with no distractions to get into it, which has been the the difficult part for me. But I I really want to see it right of the ones I haven't seen, um, probably at the top of my interest list so far, once I can get a moment. Yeah, and I remember it was uh, disparaged by our leader at the time saying <laughs> what, what was he calling for when he went to come back oh um, gone with the wind yeah <laughs> something like that all right well i wish we had more to say about the film but uh as neither of us have seen it we're I, i'm sure we're not giving it its due but giving given its 98 percent tomato score it's worth a watch. So yes, if, yep. if you got the time, go see it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think again, uh, going for a little variety here, I might go, I might go a little out of left field with this one in terms of where our picks have, have been going so far. I'm going to go Titanic here in this spot. Um, so Titanic, right? Previously the biggest movie of all time, uh, romance film. Uh, there's a few romance films in the top 40. So I think if I'm going to end up taking a romance movie, as we sort of draft down the list here, uh, why not get, um, one of the most successful ones to do it of all time. It's been a long time since I've seen Titanic. I know it's, incredibly long but there are uh so many scenes in it that are just cultural touch points at this right um they've been parodied and imitated that's what i was going to say parodied yes (laughs) yeah uh but i you know anytime you can sort of enter the enter the zeitgeist like that um uh i think it's uh, you've done something right you hit a cultural a cultural strain there that that means something and you've so, touched a nerve <laughs> <laughs> yes so i'm gonna i'm gonna go titanic here that's that is an 
uh, yeah, that is a surprising pick, to say the least, Paul. <laughs> wow. Um, I feel like it's one of those that's that's hard to rewatch. It's one where graphics have not helped it over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just hate the ending so much because <laughs> there was no need for Leonardo DiCaprio's character to die. <laughs> Had she shifted over slightly on the board, could have floated you know, with her. It might have not been buoyant enough to keep them both out of the cold water. I can't see how there wasn't wreckage or another board <laughs> yeah. around too. And then Billy Zane's character got away as as a... Did he pretend he had a child or dressed up as a woman? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh... Also, Billy Zane, Paul. Billy Zane is a main character in your movie. <laughs> Playing the Phantom. That's, that's, that's right. a fun flick. Yeah. That's right. The, the, the shadow who walks himself walking on the Titanic. I enjoyed the Phantom more than the Titanic. Oof. That's saying a lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah again i'm i want to i want a little variety oh you're getting it paul you're getting a lot of variety (laughs) i am definitely getting it uh but uh just in terms of um again cultural cultural standpoint right one of the uh, obviously highest grossing but um you know it's a movie that will be discussed i feel like long into the future more so than a lot of these movies some of the you know some of these older movies on the list particularly uh you can see a few if you get back to the 80s that um you know i don't see anyone mention anymore Mm -hmm. Uh, but titanic is one that um people people know and are familiar with long after it has actually been released that's true yeah I had to look up what ordinary people was. Yes, yeah, especially I, those early '80s ones. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only there's you know there's a handful that sort of stick around. But all right, well, uh, if, if my little out, out of left field pick there, right? What did I leave uh, on the table for you? Man, there's there's a lot here, but uh, so many of these I haven't seen, and mm-hmm. I feel like I am not able to to give them their due in order to justify picking them. Hmm. This one, I feel like uh, it's, it is a drama and it is one that uh, is, is kind of hard to watch at points, but uh, I'm going to do what's best for you, Manushka, as Michael Scott says. And I'm going to pick Million Dollar Baby. That's one of the greatest things when Pam figures out what movie he's watching. <laughs> but no spoilers. I won't tell the audience what happens. So this is from 2004. And it has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Clint Eastwood directed it, acts in it. And it stars Hilary Swank in the lead role. She is this person that uh, gets into boxing and it doesn't have a, doesn't have a whole lot going on for her, if I recall. And she's good at boxing, but uh, 
you know, doesn't, doesn't look like a prize fighter. And so she convinces this guy to be her coach and, and uh, kind of help her out. And she starts winning and she is, you know, getting to the top of the list here and uh tragedy strikes and then the movie takes a really different turn and becomes a, a much more serious film but uh solid solid oscar winner here great performances all around yeah i was trying to remember back when this one if um it was one that was kind of a surprise winner but i it must not have been looking at the other Nominees. What else was in this year? Uh, Finding Neverland, Ray, Sideways, and The Aviator. Hmm. For what it was up against. I remember Ray being... I haven't I haven't seen this, but I know that Jamie Foxx's performance in that was mm-hmm. astounding. People just raved about how close it was to Ray Charles. And did so, he... I'm sure he got nominated. Did he... Who won Best Actor that year? Yeah, he yeah, Jamie Foxx won best actor that year. Okay. So, so that's interesting. He won best actor and then the film didn't win. Did Swank win best actress? See. Hotel Rwanda was that year too. It just wasn't nominated for best picture. Hmm. Here we go. Yes, Hillary Swank won in that year. Okay. So yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, um, another another uh, another good one. Um, like you said, we're we're getting into. I think we've still got a few left, but we we took a lot of the uh, I don't know more fun to sort of watch a lot of movies up top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I think the listeners can tell um, what our personality gravitates towards in movies. Yeah. I guess this uh, is the first sports related one we've got on the list so far. This is true. This is true. And not a lot of options um, in terms of, of sports stuff in the best picture winners. So. Chariots of fire, Paul. <laughs> that is, that is there. If we had extended the years back a little bit. Um, Rocky would have been, Rocky would have been in there. So yeah. interesting that boxing is the one that um, has come up a couple of times, but maybe that's because it's one of those individual sports Mm-hmm. where you can focus on one person yes yeah surprised less talking sports right surprised less uh baseball winners just the amount of good baseball movies we mentioned in our uh our baseball That's player true. draft was That's it was true. up there um uh I don't know. i'd say we should we should try to get a, a bowling movie but uh, if listeners remember back to the early days of the pod, you did have a vendetta against bowlers. So, I mean, I don't know that you can top Kingpin. That's true. Right. That was a, that was a that was pretty a great movie. bowling movie. Uh, Mystery Men. Another great, <laughs> another great bowling movie. Fun fact. Watch that this past week. It has arrived on Netflix, and what a trip down memory lane that was. Uh, Somebody, so there was a story going around Twitter the other day that somebody um, uh, uh, had their dad cremated and put the ashes into a bowling ball, 
and then bowled a perfect game with that bowling ball. Yeah. And I had just immediately thought of Janine Garofalo and her dad's skull in the yes. bowling ball as soon as I saw that headline. Yeah. So. You wonder how much uh, how much the ball was doing in this game. Because <laughs> if you all will remember, uh, the dad kind of can control which way the ball goes. So that has one of the best villain names. I did not remember the villain. Do you remember the villain's name, Paul? I don't remember the name. No. Casanova Frankenstein. Oh, that's right. Casanova Frankenstein. Such a great villain name. Underrated, I think. I mean, I, I feel like... It's a cult hit, but it doesn't get as much wide. <laughs> okay, so re-watching it, though, I realized, and I said aloud to Matt, and I was like, this was a kid's movie, wasn't it? Because <laughs> it is. Uh, I realized how they didn't curse at all. They were using euphemisms for things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of fart jokes. It's a kid's movie. It's very yes. dark. The scenes, yep. the scenery is dark, but... Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of saddened by that, actually. <laughs> yeah. And interesting how it was kind of really far ahead of its time in being a mocking of superhero stuff before there was True. that much superhero stuff in Hollywood. True, yeah. So it sort of jumped the gun on uh, what it was doing. But interesting. Well, the uh, Mystery Men, uh, clearly a best picture snub, right? <laughs> right. Wait, what what was that 90 so what was the 2000 best picture winner american beauty you know what can we retroactively give mystery men the best picture award over american beauty yeah i mean kevin spacey was not involved with mystery men as far as i know so let's so, just right. swap that out it's the it's now the official stance of what's on draft that mystery men is the 2000 academy award winner best picture <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay all right round six then i don't get to buy myself a little time with the recap uh again i'm i'm still torn between some of the more serious kind of movies here (laughs) right (laughs) and um a few of the ones that i just think are a little bit more fun uh, but I have, well, Birdman's, I was gonna say I have a lot of action, but Birdman is not really action. It's more of a character kind of study. I am going to go with, uh, you know what? I'm going to go with what every, um, I don't know, every, every like young college male's favorite movie was when we were in college. I'm going to go with Gladiator. Just another one full of full of great performances, great action. Uh, like I said, it was, you know, at, at the time uh, we were in college, it was either like Gladiator or, uh, I don't know, Pulp Fiction was one everyone liked, like Reservoir Dogs. These were the movies that everyone, you know, everyone whose dorm room I went over to on our floor, like they were, the, the decent chance they were watching one of these movies. So it was... Um, all around especially uh rooming with patrick i think this one was up in his heavy rotation um so yeah enjoyable one i i know and it just never dawned on me until i was looking at so we have listeners we have sort of a graphic that someone on twitter made of all these movies which is where um that we pulled it for this draft 
And I, it just never dawned on me that we had back-to-back Russell Crowe years. Mm-hmm. A Beautiful Mind. too. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize they were one year after the other. So mm-hmm. this was definitely prime Russell Crowe era, uh, early, early 2000s. So yeah, going with Gladiator. Yes, I feel like you're right. This is a very bro-y pick. It, it was on my list, too, of ones that I've seen and enjoyed uh it's interesting because i don't think madeline likes it that much and looking at a lot of these on my list it's like these are guy movies mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they have a very specific demographic <laughs> they're going after oh yeah uh, well the, a bunch of old white males running the academy it's not true <laughs> not yeah very so. surprising um i'm curious did patrick find any historical inaccuracies in this one I'm sure he did. Um, I don't remember. Not nearly as much as uh, you know, as Braveheart, Braveheart, which is which also is on the list. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Several several others that he had more of an issue with. I don't remember him getting specifically as angry over Gladiator as uh, some, some other movies. Yeah. Stars a young Joker, Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm so yeah it's it's a good one i enjoyed uh the transformation from roman general to gladiator yes and then the scenes toward the end are very touching watching him kind of in this realm between life and death yes yeah and that's that's what solid movie that's what puts it i guess over the line from just a good historical action film to write a, a best picture nominee and eventual winner is um, yes. Uh, the performance of Crow specifically is what carries it over the line. Yeah. Well, they did, they did a lot of work for character development that mm-hmm. they don't do in a run of the mill action movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to contrast this pick, Paul, going to go the other direction and choose a movie that was probably not on any of your friends dorm room walls oh i saw this in the past year or two i've heard the heard the movie's title but never knew what it was about and i watched it man it gets you uh it's from 1983 i'm gonna take terms of endearment stars Shirley MacLaine as uh, the mother and her daughter Deborah Winger is the star of the film and then she is married to Jeff Daniels. I feel like it is a drama. There's a lot of comedy in it but you kind of get sucked into their life and there's, there's a lot of reality in their relationships. There's a lot of weird messed up stuff that happens but uh i feel like it's relatable and really uh, interesting movie from the early 80s you're definitely right i don't remember any uh any terms of endearment movie <laughs> posters uh although honestly there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot of pics you could go just with that as the clue right i also <laughs> that's true didn't see a lot of driving miss daisy uh <laughs> posters oh or, you didn't uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is, um, I don't know if I've actually watched this one or not. If I had, it would have been a while ago uh-huh. and I watched it. So I'm not as familiar, but another one with 
a big ensemble cast that is like all heavy hitters, right? Like mm-hmm. um, you mentioned that, you know, Deborah Winger, Jeff Daniels, but then you've got John Lithgow, Danny DeVito, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What's interesting though is uh, we watched Steel Magnolias later this the same year. Mm-hmm. And it also stars Shirley MacLaine, but I just found the similarities too strong and I had watched this one first. And so this one had impacted me more and I couldn't get over the, the similarities between the two. And I was like, well, I like this one. It came first. So that might've hurt my opinion of steel Magnolia's (laughs) a bit. Yeah. Sort of uh, maybe it should have been on our twin movie. (laughs) <laughs> right yeah. yeah well was that a surprise to you paul that was that was a surprise to me like i yeah, said yeah. i haven't i don't think i've watched it so it wasn't it wasn't high on my radar but um uh a, a great um you know especially as we're talking about right like how many of these are very sort of college bro oriented a good pick to pull out of um, some of the options there <laughs> trying to get the <laughs> the retiree people right yeah. we're talking early 80s movies here <laughs> these uh these people are probably boomers now right oh yeah yeah that's that's wild to think about oh man yeah i saw um there's been there's been a lot of memes lately about how uh you know 2000 still feels like it was 10 years ago and yes it, yeah and that's totally true. And I saw, especially I've seen a lot of like, this is, you know, we're as far back to this as we were in 2000 kind of memes or something. But the one I saw most recently was a couple pictures of um, uh, Zelda games. And one was like one of the original Zelda games and um it was like what you think zelda was 20 years ago and then what zelda actually was 20 years ago and it was wind waker for the gamecube and i was like that can't be 20 years old and i looked it up and i was like yeah that came out in 2001 so oh my goodness Uh, yeah time marches on it does we are about to the point where i'm going to have high school students from our classmates we are just right there on the cusp yeah i'm i'm seeing kids birthdays i'm like wow we're about there where the (laughs) that that first group of people to have children they're gonna be hitting high school yes oh man yeah crazy yeah so many um uh you know you see people doing stuff and you notice that like more and more of them have birthdays in the two thousands that are sort mm-hmm. of notable people. And mm-hmm. it's like, I remember when it became the two thousands and we thought all the computers were going to crash. <laughs> <laughs> right. The world was going to just, <laughs> all the planes were going to fall from the sky. Uh, yeah. So, oh man, A- aging. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on to the next pick before we. So, any sci-fi movies on this list, Paul? Uh, um, yeah, not that's one. The one that doesn't like fantasy doesn't crack the top a lot. I think I'm also going to go back to the '80s though for my pick. 
for one that um i did the i i did the college sort of bro pick i think i'm gonna go the the college band nerd pick with this Ooh. one and take Ooh, hold on what, yeah. what are you gonna pick i'm i'm gonna go amadeus oh yeah. you're going with the 1980s rock me amadeus <laughs> that's right okay um this one i again i this one i last watched i think like as an undergrad it's been a while Mm -hmm. Um, but it's one that I feel like it's again watched in a lot of like marching band circles on like a bus or something on a band trip Um, and I sort of remembered it being one of the ones that now people look back on as being a little cheesy right and and Mm -hmm. sort of dog it a little bit but then I looked up lists of where people were ranking best picture winners and it was in a lot of people's top tens it's Um, it's got a high Rotten Tomato score yeah, so I guess people look on it a little higher than I sort of thought did, but I enjoy it, and I uh, particularly it just has such over the top, almost cartoonish performances mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is sort of chewing scenery in a good way, right? Like people clearly know um, know what they're setting up with the film in a way mm-hmm. that is interesting, and um, you know I have. I have on my list Gladiator as an historical movie, but it's one that obviously is focusing on sort of soldiers. So what I don't have is a historical movie that has a lot of the costuming and mm-hmm. that's always mm-hmm. a big hit around Oscar season. So I like mm-hmm. having that in here because you've got ballroom scenes and concert scenes where Mozart is doing a performance and stuff that you get everyone in you know the classic looking kind of uh, uh clothing of the of the era or at least what we what we always showcase as clothing of the era i have no idea how historically accurate those looks are but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the stereotypical kind of look you expect from a movie like this with lots of bright colors and wigs and lace and stuff so i it's i think it's another one that's a really enjoyable watch so looking at the cast i'm i i remember i'm familiar with f murray abraham Mm -hmm. plays salieri right yes but the actor that plays mozart i don't know him from anything else really uh tom tom holse yeah uh he let's see yeah, I didn't recognize the name either, but he's in some other big ones. He was the voice of Quasimodo in Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, it says uh, he's also in Animal House. Yeah, he was in Parenthood. His last movie was in 2008. He was in Jumper. Hmm. Uh, looks like he just retired in 2008. So, um, Well, good for him. Yeah, so yeah, but... Uh, stranger than fiction he was in so he had he had some other big movies that he was in but you're right when i first heard the name i didn't immediately recognize it like mm-hmm. a bunch of the other names we've thrown around and he doesn't he doesn't appear in as many movies as some of these other mm-hmm. uh, at most he's in two a year and usually just one film a year it looks like um, one film or one tv episode a year even Whereas some of these other actors are popping up in three or four things a year. So maybe just a little more selective with uh, yeah, what he, what he does. This is one where the movie poster 
is I, it's iconic and mm-hmm. I can instantly visualize it. But if I were to just see it, I would think some sort of fantasy movie. Yes. Yeah. It does not scream Mozart to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm, there are some almost fantastical elements to the way, especially the third act of the movie is filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're, I guess they're playing on that with the poster, mm-hmm. but you're right. It does sort of look like, like almost like a superhero or something movie kind of style poster mm-hmm. um, with how sort of, and I, you know, I, I like that just looking at, um, so again, I've got the list here in front of me that has just all of the posters pulled up and almost every poster and this is true not just of best picture winners obviously but of most movies is just a group of people standing together with the movie mm-hmm. title mm-hmm. um so the few that sort of stick out as being kind of unique are it um american beauty is is a lot different silence of the lambs is different um so they sort of pop out compared to a bunch of these other ones but mm-hmm. uh, i wish we had more sort of hand-drawn posters like that now yeah it's true and so for any listeners out there that are running studios graphic design matters yes yep. <laughs> you can't just uh you can't just take something and tint it uh orange or blue and, and call it a day and have it yeah. stand the test of time <laughs> No, just yeah. Don't don't photograph a group of your actors and call it a poster. All right, where where are you gonna where are you gonna take us now? Well, talking about the importance of graphic design, I think for my next pick, I've got to go with the artist. You've got Chicago, some good song and dance. I'm gonna take the artist here. So this is a nostalgic movie set at the time of transition between silent film and the talkies. And it was, uh, it premiered in 2011, which 10 years ago already. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think this was my introduction to Jean Dujardin and what an excellent actor. And he plays his character so well, very, very, very likable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have since seen him in uh, another French spy sitcom. It's really funny. Yeah, this is one that I also enjoy a lot. I I considered it a couple of picks ago, actually taking this one. Um, it's another one that I feel like people sort of look down on a little bit and go like, "Oh, well, it's just Hollywood celebrating Hollywood again," and mm-hmm. going with. Um, but I think it was, um, and you know, I've, I'm not as well versed in sort of the silent movie era. So I, I'm sure I didn't pick up on everything they were sort of playing off of, but I mm-hmm. thought it was an incredibly enjoyable film, um, to watch and fun. Uh, this year was really stacked when it came to the best picture nominees. And I'm sure that contributes to people, um, you know, not, not looking as well. This one, I, I said, uh, surprising no baseball movies Moneyball was this year so it came close oh. nominated Tree of Life Hugo The Help Midnight in Paris Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close um, we're all in the mix for for best picture hmm. here uh, The Descendants War Horse uh, rounded out the 
printed out the list, but that's some big, um, some heavy hitters in terms of movies and ones that people still enjoy watching. So for the artists Definitely. to come out of that was a, a big feat for them. So I think this one, it, it had that sense of nostalgia that appealed to people. And it's, it's mm-hmm. uh, more uplifting than a lot of these other ones that you listed. Yes. Yeah. Plus the dog, right? They had the dog that was a, a standout character. Oh, uh, I was going to say, I watched Hail Caesar, which is kind of similarly celebrating old Hollywood. Does not do it nearly as successfully as the artist. So there's something to be said for for just celebrating Hollywood, but doing it well, mm-hmm. you know, it makes a difference. And the artist is rightfully so an Oscar winner. Yes, I think this could have easily been way cheesier than it was yes right just they, on the premise right they they found <laughs> they walked the line really well uh it's like they they knew where to put in a little cheese but it wasn't mm-hmm. too much yes a- absolutely yeah it, it had and you know the silent silent movies themselves had cheesy senses of humor so you get to play up on that but i Mm -hmm. felt like they always did a good job kind of uh modernizing it i guess i'm not sure what the best term is but when they would have a a joke land it was never like oh you know that would that yeah that would have been funny then it's not really it's played out now so it's not as funny now like no it had genuine like good laugh moments that played off of the silent film format Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of meta in a lot of the humor, but um, yeah, this is one that I I enjoyed a lot. Well, we're running low on some of the films that I've seen, right? Um, in terms of the best picture winners, uh, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go ahead and go with a more serious one um in terms of sort of building in some variety here uh i i don't have a lot of the ones that are harder to watch um but examine kind of like a uh, harder to watch just in the subject matter being so dark right um so i think i'll go for that uh with this pick but i'm gonna take 12 years a slave here um, so again, depicting just um, uh, such a horrific period of uh, American life and um, obviously not going to be one that you want to sit down and have a, you know, big, big bucket of popcorn with while you're watching. Um, so one that I'm not going to would never sort of rewatch as often as I would return of the King or Birdman or some of the other ones from my list, but, um, uh, uh, great that, uh, you know, this one won best picture. I forget what it was up against, but I think there, there was something else that year that I feel like everyone thought, Oh, well, of course the Academy is going to go with that and not give it to, um, this one, which was deserving of it, but, uh, it came through. And then um, uh, obviously the performances of um, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor and Lupita Nyong'o um, carry the film, but then you've got sort of a stacked cast filling smaller kind of roles around them that 
are excellent. Um, but yeah, so 12 years a slave. So this is one of those that I've not seen yet. And it's it was up against Philomena, Nebraska, mm -hmm. Captain Phillips, the Wolf of Wall Street. So yeah, it was uh, had some stiff competition. Yeah. Uh, her gravity mm -hmm. gravity i think was the one that people talked about a lot yes uh, yeah. as a possibility american hustle and dallas buyers club now Man, of that those was a good year right of those i had only seen american hustle and captain phillips out of all of those awesome movies yeah so i've got some movie watching <laughs> some catching up to do right yeah. back to 2011 or 2013 <laughs> gosh i mean that yeah that that one runs the gamut um gravity i think won a lot of the other awards and just as a technical achievement um gravity was great and uh the wolf of wall street i feel like is one of those ones that um was again full of so many good performances and funny scenes and it just doesn't seem like it's uh, Wolf of Wall Street seems like that classic runner up in the best picture nominees that people talk about for years, but probably didn't stand a great chance of, mm -hmm. of taking the um, of, of winning it. Um, so, yeah, this one definitely had a lot of, of stiff competition. Um, so I don't feel I feel like it was and maybe I'm just not remembering as well that year. I feel like it was a surprise when it was announced as the winner. But um, I feel like this one is going to be more historically important just because of the subject matter it's covering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the other it, the a lot of these other ones are already kind of irrelevant movies. Yes, yeah, and it's it's really sandwiched between again movies that I enjoy, right? But if you look at just everything around it. It's like King's Speech, The Artist, Argo, then 12 Years a Slave, then Birdman and Spotlight after that. So they're either kind of more fun movies or movies predominantly just following white people sort mm -hmm. of on either side of this. Um, so uh, until obviously you get up to, to Moonlight after that. So that's a good um, sort of break in that, uh, I don't know, the more typical Academy Award winning voting kind of around it as well. All right. Well, what, what have you got coming up next? Looking at this list here, I am about out. I've seen a couple of these that I've got written down, but they're not ones that I actually want to choose. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to go with one that you just mentioned that looks like an amazing movie from 2016 that I have not yet seen. And I'm going to pick La La Land. Just kidding. Hey I'm going to pick <laughs> Moonlight. I don't know how you misread this in an envelope, but it happened. <laughs> uh, didn't they hand them like the wrong envelope or something? I think that's what their that story was. <laughs> Uh, Whether or not that's what actually happened. Who was it that was misreading it? Was it oh, um, Alec Baldwin? 
Who was it? No, I don't think it was Baldwin. Oh, um, he, was he the one that uh, butchered Adina uh, Menzel's name? No, that was. Um, oh, that was John Travolta. John Travolta, right? Adele Adele Dazim. Adele Dazim, yes. Oh, Warren Beatty was was who announced it wrong. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, Warren okay. Beatty was. Uh, yeah, and I remember afterwards, somebody I heard somebody breaking down the way they handle the envelopes backstage to try and make sure nothing leaks about right. And it sounds like they just add in so much complexity to the system of envelopes, all kinds of switcheroos. Yeah, like for and I don't remember, but there's like so many. I think there's just duplicates. So like they have envelopes printed that list everyone is the winner and they're i think maybe they were like coded someone there's like you have to pull the right like it just sounded so overly complicated that i'm like oh well i'm kind of surprised this doesn't happen more often true it's almost like they find the results or decide the moment of just handing off (laughs) the academy chose this one there, there is no we're we're unearthing a scandal there is no real academy it's just someone reaches into a bucket and be like all right well this is the winner oh goodness so i watched the trailer for this in preparation for for the show tonight and it doesn't give a whole lot away but just there's there's violin music and there's a tension that is very real in, in just the trailer alone. And it says it's a look at three defining chapters in the life of a young black man growing up in Miami and his epic journey to manhood uh, guided by the kindness, support, and love of the community that helps raise him. So that's kind of the very uh, light synopsis that doesn't give much away. Yes, and it was the uh, the the first. I'm looking at sort of the accolades here, right? First film with an all black cast and LGBTQ related film, um, and also the second lowest grossing film domestically to win Best Picture. So interesting that it, and that part, right? The second lowest grossing. I think it. I don't even think it was widely distributed. Um, when it- looking at looking at uh, just its budget also the budget range is listed from 1.5 to 4 million so mm-hmm. not a high budget for something that uh, went on to win you know best picture yeah right yeah so uh, interesting that it um it had that amount of diversity in it and then uh came sort of from you know, I'm sure with that budget, they are not going to have the ability to do um, as much campaigning. Yeah, as, the marketing or, behind you know, it. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Um, you know, so much of this is like people go and like wine and dine members of the Academy to try to get uh-huh. the movie considered that um, I wouldn't think they had the opportunity to do as much of that. So uh, also have not seen this one, but want to. And um in in the long run right i'm i'm just and i i also haven't seen la la land but just knowing the description of the two i feel like mm-hmm. in the long run glad this one won especially because 
La La Land, I feel like has no lasting impact. I haven't heard mm-hmm. anyone talk about it since that year. I watched it and while it was fun and there's, there's some good musical numbers, some great visuals, mm-hmm. neither of the main characters are trained singers. You know, it, it, the story is not incredibly impactful doesn't have the kind of sappy happy ending that you would want from this kind of movie so yeah you're right i mean that's that's not one that i would want to see win and then be remembered so Mm -hmm. they definitely made the right choice here even though i haven't seen this film uh just just knowing what the two of them are about uh this is going to be the one that we want to remember and look back on uh i saw that it's streaming right now on netflix so if you got a netflix account you should be able to find it there for free Uh, yeah well like like you uh definitely running low on uh some of the ones that i've seen um just because especially the last let's see i haven't seen any of the last five winners just uh, mostly, for the most part, just a time thing. Uh, <laughs> for not, our listeners, real quick, Paul, list the ages of your children. Uh, that would be five, three, and one currently. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I would say of the five most recent winners, Green Book is the only one that's not high on my list to, to eventually check out. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll sort of get there. So yeah, like, so I've. I've got a mix of ones I haven't seen, ones I have seen that I don't want to take, um, and then a few that I haven't seen um, that I'm sure are uh, are bigger. But I'm I'm gonna go with one of the ones that I have seen that's more in line with my other picks, right? Just taking it because um, it is a, a fun, sort of more rewatchable movie and so i am gonna go with argo so it has a lot of uh great cast members right uh brian cranston alan arkin john goodman um uh just other and of course ben affleck who directed this and i feel like again um you know like birdman with uh michael michael keaton this is one that really revived ben affleck's career um, from where it was at the time. Um, uh, but with much worse results, because this is not the Batman we wanted. <laughs> uh, yeah, another another Batman there. You know, I, I actually feel like, um, I still feel like Ben had decent potential as uh, Bruce Wayne specifically. Uh, playing the the Bruce Wayne half of the Batman role that was just let down by some very bad filmmaking around him uh, in uh, in in those movies. Uh, but def- those those movies are not anywhere close to the Academy Awards, so we will not get into um, into that, right? But um, Argo dealing with the um, the the hostage crisis in Iran in uh, in seventy nine. Um, this one has some some good tense scenes into it, but also mixes in 
um, a decent amount of humor and sort of cleverness in a lot of the scenes in a way that I think is um, interesting and sort of fun to watch from start to finish. And so uh, this one, um, uh, not as, not as, I don't know, not as important, I guess you'd say, as some of the other movies that might be still on the list, but um, a fun one that, uh, that I enjoy watching. This is, this is a movie that I've only seen once. And now that you're talking about it, uh, there was a scene that was something I hadn't considered that our embassies have to do is to just shred and destroy all the documents. And that scene was incredibly <laughs> intense. Just watching them try to shred thousands and thousands of pages of documents yep. before the embassy was overrun. Um, really, really interesting historical moment. And it's before our time. So I, I feel like the background and the gravity wasn't quite there for me because we didn't live through it but uh, very very interesting movie and uh it's it's kind of neat that uh, affleck directed it although i just i don't know if i like him as a person paul <laughs> uh, i don't know yeah. i don't know what to think of him so i don't know how much support i want to give him <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I I will say uh, uh, he he clearly made a huge mistake doing anything to jeopardize your his relationship with Jennifer Garner was uh, uh, a huge mistake because if you just especially if you just follow her on like social media she just seems like one of the greatest people. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, like Aww. she just seems like a good person, and so like that's to, probably uh, why they didn't fit. <laughs> yeah. So he he made a grave error, I'll say. Just from the outside looking, I mean, he made a grave error no matter what. But I'll say from the outside looking in, um, he had a, a good situation that he mm -hmm. he blew up by uh, being being a. J All right. Well, we're I think we we were going to try for ten. So your pick here, uh, we'll round out the ninth round, and we probably got two more left in us so uh last last three picks total here what are you gonna go what are you gonna do for the ninth round well let's see teaching about the elements and principles of art i i have to cover this uh let's let's talk about shape paul <laughs> specifically the shape of water i think uh i think i'm gonna take that for my ninth pick so this is a movie from the brilliant, masterful storyteller that is Guillermo del Toro. And it stars a fish-like amphibian creature who is basically Abe Sapien. Mm -hmm. Also, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Del Toro, for bringing us the Hellboy movies to the big yes. screen. I love Wait. those things so much. Played by Doug Jones too, right? And yes, yeah, yes. And so that's that's another thing. Uh, Doug Jones is back in this role. He's just so good at playing creatures. Mm -hmm. Such such a good study of the physicality of these otherworldly things. So this movie uh, 
tying it back to our Justice League discussion here, General Zod, Michael Shannon mm-hmm. is in this movie, as well as Richard Jenkins and Octavia Spencer. Uh, Sally Hawkins is the main character, Eliza. And this is one that I haven't seen. I want to see it, but it sounds so interesting. The story set in the Cold War era, and we've got this secret lab where they've got this creature, and it's a love story of all things, hmm. right? And it stars uh, a character that I believe is deaf. So that's another yes, kind of yeah. interesting point. Uh, good for this movie telling the story of you know someone with a, a unique point of view mm-hmm. yeah as, as i mentioned a little bit ago haven't caught this one uh yet this is one that was uh i don't know it, like even as it was being considered then right after it won uh became so memed from people who i'm sure also did not see it right right oh like that love story with the fish right yeah uh sort of the offhand meme um so that's uh uh, since i haven't watched it right i feel like that is all i know about it so i'm sure people's public perception of it is uh shaped a lot by just the basic description of the movie and not what is actually in the movie itself Mm -hmm. so um one that i definitely want to see just to kind of see how it was uh it was all pulled off yeah i'm not sure where this story originated i know that the character like we said is is very similar to the abe sapien that del toro bought brought to the screen and so that's based on mike mignola's work um if you told me that it was going to be just a love story between abe sapien and this scientist i would have been all in so I'm perfectly fine <laughs> with the premise here. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to go. Uh, we've got the last the last two picks here, round, rounding out our draft for today. Um, I think I'm going to go with one that uh, for for a certain you know sort of demographic of listener is very angry that this has not been picked yet um, out there. Uh, I'm going to go with The Departed for mine. Just a solid uh, crime drama, right? Scorsese almost always uh, does something um, uh, uh, interesting and and, um, fun to watch. And the one Oscar uh, winning uh, movie for Scorsese out of, uh, let's see, one, two, three, ten nominees, right? His one winning film with a bunch of ones like Goodfellas and Gangs of New York, uh, Raging Bull, right? So many heavy hitters finally got one to uh, win Best Picture here with um, uh, with, with The Departed. But um, uh, DiCaprio, right, as always, works so well with Scorsese. And then you've got um, just the, the group of guys you would expect from a Boston mob crime drama like Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen getting in there. Uh, a huge, huge sort of ensemble cast. Great. Um, again, uh, like uh, I guess a lot of the ones I've sort of 
angle for here has a lot of good suspense building scenes, right? So this one, the suspense being built around DiCaprio going undercover and whether or not he's going to be able to keep uh, his his identity in that undercover mission. So a lot of good uh, scenes where at any point the story could twist in any direction and you're just not sure which way it's going to go. So another one that is um, enjoyable for that reason. But uh, the Departed one, I think, um, again, like Gladiator on my list, especially for, uh, you know, sort of white males in our demographic is is in a lot of people's top five films, like of all time, not just of these Oscar winners. So as I said, I'm sure uh, there a good chance somebody was listening that uh, is uh, really pulling their hair out that we haven't taken this one off the board yet. This is one where the ending was satisfactory only because of Mark Wahlberg's character. Not something you, you get to say a lot. Right. <laughs> that ain't that the truth. <laughs> uh, but had that couple minutes of the movie not occurred, oh man, mm. it would have been a rough ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I'm not wrong, this was based on a Chinese film called Infernal Affairs. Yes, I believe is correct. And I want to say that I tried to watch it uh, and I don't know if it had been edited, but the plot was much more difficult to follow. Yes, 2002 Hong Kong movie, Internal okay. Affairs. Okay. Um, it's infernal has, right isn't infernal it is? yeah sorry yeah infernal. In, 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 yeah that's what i thought that's what stuck in my head because it's not yeah. internal affairs it's infernal affairs yeah and it had a couple of sequels in hong kong so it's a whole, ah. hey, whole series is it is this kind of like that uh detective movie that cameron picked maybe i wonder what it grew let's see uh not not nearly as successful it grossed 55.1 million Hong Kong dollars. I don't know how that translates to U.S. dollars. Um, but it, uh, let's see, the Chinese title, The Unceasing Path, is a reference to the lowest level of hell in Buddhism, where one endures suffering incessantly. Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, the English title is a wordplay combining the adjective infernal with internal affairs. So, ah there we go yeah. okay so there you good go. job on uh, their part because <laughs> it's stuck in my head yeah this is one that uh like you said it's it's it stuck with me uh it's suited to watch in the theater for the first time and it is rewatchable doesn't necessarily feel like an oscar movie because it's so action-packed i guess Yes, yeah. But uh, done really well. Very surprising. This is the one best picture for Scorsese. Yeah, if this had not been, I think if this would not have been the winner, right, if not for Scorsese's entire filmography behind it, uh, this one was up against... Um, Letters from Iwo Jima, The Queen, Little Miss Sunshine, and Babel. Wow. 
in 2007. So yeah, I think if Scorsese had won, you know, like if Goodfellas had won Best Picture, I mm-hmm. feel pretty confident The Departed would not have won mm-hmm. <laughs> this mm-hmm. year. Um, but at a certain, you know, it's one of those ones where at a certain point you say, we just got to get someone their Oscar because they deserve it, which then of course means you snub someone else. And then down the line, you have to make up their Oscar. (laughs) Yeah. So the cycle continues, but um, glad it, you know, glad it got on the list just because it is a a good, enjoyable movie. Little Miss Sunshine. Excellent movie starring Mm -hmm. the oh so funny Steve Carell and then not so funny role. (laughs) Right. I think that brings us to the final pick of our draft here, right? 20, we've, we're, we're going to hit 50% of these movies. So how are you going to round out the top half of these Oscar winners? Well, I'm going to go with a movie starring a man that is known for having a certain set of skills, namely in this film, the skills to save Jews from the Nazis. I'm going to go with Schindler's List. So Oscar Schindler is a German industrialist and he's able to uh, employ Polish Jewish refugees and basically hide them away and uh, keep them from going to uh, places like Auschwitz. So save them from the Holocaust. This is a movie where it's by Spielberg. Spielberg and John Williams, the the dream team. This is one of those where, you know, on our list of movies, things that are left, this is historically important. This is Mm -hmm. something that I don't want anyone to forget. And it's a great team you know, Spielberg and Williams. And this is uh, a little bit different tone. I feel like maybe if this had been made, then maybe we wouldn't have seen Saving Private Ryan down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this is no E.T. or Indiana Jones. Right? Yeah. So I'm very glad that he he got into history and, and wanted to make this film. Um if I'm correct, it's a limited color palette, mostly black and white. Um, but for some reason, I think there's red in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, and 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 a lot of the, uh, like the, you know the the cover for the DVD and everything is, um, all black and white, and then that one pop of red from the, okay. the girl's coat and. Um, is her I think her coat the little Jewish girl's coat might be the only thing that is colorized in the film is is her red coat now this is I've read a Schindler's Schindler's list um, but I've not I don't think I've actually watched the film and this is one of those from 93 so it was very young (laughs) (laughs) and I have not seen this one in circulation on streaming services. There's a lot of excellent mm-hmm. movies like this that aren't necessarily out and about to watch. 
Um, yeah, this Schindler's List, right, is the sort of um, the default example if you're just trying to like in a, either a joke or a story or a comment, if you want to have a movie that is heavy that everyone recognizes is heavy, I feel like Schindler's List is the go-to fit, like mm-hmm. example film, right? So um, not, and, and this way it actually came up, I was getting ready for this evening and talking to Elena about different films. And it was sort of like the, the the fork in the road movie right where she was like yeah so do you want to take like films like schindler's list or do you want to take films like (laughs) chicago right like like those are the two diametrically opposed um kind of you know head examples on this so um obviously a a super important one uh story to be told like you said historically important and has stood the test of time Mm -hmm. in terms of remaining relevant with the story that it is telling um, and also was uh, was that one of the one of the better episodes of Seinfeld surrounded uh, Schindler's List where um, Jerry is dating a new girl and they can never get any time alone because every time mm-hmm. they're alone like Kramer comes over or something and so they go to see a movie and there's every movie is sold out except Schindler's List so they go into Schindler's List and because it's the first time they've been alone in forever, they start making out during Schindler's List. Oh my. <laughs> and then something happens and like they get caught making out during Schindler's List. And so uh, everyone is like the rest of the episode is just everyone being horrified. Right. Jerry, and Jerry being like, we, we weren't watching the movie. Like we just needed a room where we were alone <laughs> for a little bit. And his parents are there and they're just so disappointed in him. <laughs> oh my goodness but uh yeah that's not that's not a seinfeld episode that i recall so (laughs) it's a it's a it's a good one yikes some good uh good seinfeld moments for our listeners i don't even know that i explained my awkward lead-in so (laughs) i was trying to reference the fact that oscar schindler is played by liam neeson who (laughs) has a very specific skill set in the Taken movies. That's what I was connecting there. Yep. Yeah. I, I tracked, but if, okay. uh, anyone who didn't track <laughs> might have been like, well, that's one way to put it. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if I would describe it that way. <laughs> uh, well, I realize, you know, if you haven't seen the film, you might not know Neeson's the main. Yes. Is, uh, right. Is Schindler. All right. Well, that gives each of us 10 movies, right? Um, I don't know if we have a a good elevator pitch to give on this one, but maybe we should just quickly read our lists um, so that people can follow what we've drafted. So I will, uh, I will take it off here. So my list of 10 best picture winners is the silence of the lambs return of the King Birdman, Chicago, Titanic, Gladiator, Amadeus, 12 Years a Slave, Argo, and The Departed. And my list of 10 includes No Country for Old Men, Slumdog Millionaire, Forrest Gump, Parasite, Million Dollar Baby, Terms of Endearment, The Artist, Moonlight, The Shape of Water, and Schindler's List. 
And listeners, you can let us know uh, which set of movies, right, you would take if you were only going to get to sort of keep 10 of these Best Picture winners, right? Would you take my list or Michael's list? You can let us know via our social media accounts. You can find those linked in this episode description or at anchor.fm slash what's on draft. Uh, also, feel free to send us an email, what's on draft podcast at gmail.com. Um, let us know if you think, right, we let something sit on the board too long or something we didn't take, right? There's some still some heavy hitters left on the board that maybe sh- we should have made uh, the top 20 out of 40 here of the picks that we are taking. So let us know what you think on that. And if you could give us that five-star review so we can get through the algorithm, get out there to more listeners and share this episode with your movie loving friend, right? Uh, by the time this comes out, you'll know who won um who won the best picture in 2021 so maybe right debate where that should have fallen on our list if we had had that pick available to us send it to a friend who likes the oscars and see what they think um so you know typically we have our alternate picks what we really have this time is films that weren't taken um and so i think you know (laughs) maybe real quickly here what if we just discussed uh, what some of the worst movies here, right? Which ones, which picks were you avoiding here while making your uh, selections? So I actually didn't have the full list pulled up. I had just written down my top mm-hmm. contenders. Here, I can pull the picture up for you on our, on our shared screen here. So some of these they were just a little bit too light. Mm-hmm. Even, even though it was historical, uh, the King's speech wasn't going to be one that I was going to pick for my top 10 Oscar winners of all time. Yeah. I, I watched that one and it seems like, I don't know. It seems like just a movie, right? It's just right. A film. Um, and that one was, uh what did it beat that year yeah this was a year that people were angry about the winner i remember Uh, i think the one people most were looking at winning was the social network but also up against true grit black swan inception winter's bone 127 hours the fighter uh the kids are all right and then toy story 3 for the other a lot of dramas yeah, a lot of, a lot of strong dramas. Uh, from that. But this is one of those ones I, I, I don't think I've heard anyone mention this movie unless you're discussing Best Picture winners mm-hmm. uh, past uh, that year. But, you know, True Grit, Inception, The Social Network, those movies I feel like people talk about all the time. So, mm-hmm. Love Colin Firth. Excellent actor. Mm-hmm. This is just not uh, something that, I don't know. Yeah, it just didn't uh, stick for some reason. It just seems like such an Oscar movie, right? Like, yes, it seems yeah. like one of those ones that the whole time people they were making it, they were like, "Yeah, this is this is gonna get some nominations." Uh, there's an excellent movie. It's from the the same band of people that did Waiting for Guffman and uh, A Mighty Wind, and it's all about Hollywood and they are hearing Oscar buzz. And so the whole time they're filming this new movie, they're all hearing, oh, so-and-so on set might be nominated for an Oscar this year. 
I'm sure that happens a lot and it cannot be good for your performance. If in the back of your head, you're just thinking like, yes, this is going to get me an Oscar. Okay. So it's a Christopher guest movie from 2006 and it's called for your consideration. Oh yes. I, I don't think I've watched this, but I have definitely heard uh, stuff from it. So it was on Hulu a little while back and that, and we watched it. I didn't realize how recent it was. So comparatively best in show is from 2000 and a mighty wind from Oh uh, three. Hmm. So it was three years after those. Interesting. I love everything that that band of actors has made. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so good. Definitely. You know, we mentioned it earlier, um, American Beauty, even before Kevin Spacey uh, was canceled, not mm-hmm. one that I enjoyed at all. Just seemed so, I don't know, like so, we were just talking about, like ones where people were aiming for an Oscar. Like it seemed uh-huh. so self-serious and like aware that it was self-serious in just not a good way. I don't know. Like... Uh, never, never enjoyed that one. Haven't seen Crash. Braveheart. Again, I don't, I don't know that it seems like a Best Picture winner. Yeah, it, it's it's fun. It seems like a um, a good enjoyable watch. I don't remember what it was up against, but I remember our. History teacher in high school, though, tore it apart for its mm-hmm. inaccuracies. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, for, you know, historical movies, yes, like you're always going to add some things to the plot for drama, but it does, it does bug me when you sort of change the characterization of historical people. Mm-hmm. And from what I've heard, that happens a lot in the, the trial of the Chicago Seven, mm. that uh, Sorkin puts things out of order and sort of downplay like he, he does this weird thing where he the protesters who were arrested he sort of downplays how disruptive they were in court right and so he like at, at parts of the film he apparently makes the sort of the system look worse by downplaying the protesters but then on the flip side he adds in simple all these sympathetic characters to the court system that in real life the government just was awful through and through in the real life case so it's like it's like he tried to i don't know like he tried to to set up one side and then um couldn't help himself being aaron sorkin had to have like scrappy lawyers who were doing the right thing at the end of the day and so like uh, he apparently just put things in different orders or like switched what characters did things or changed like the beliefs of certain characters for that and that that kind of stuff just bugs me with historical films. yeah that becomes a historical fiction rather than yes yeah just a historical work i have seen the english patient that is a long film <laughs> that is my review of them <laughs> yes yeah, it's not good when that's what you are uh you are starting with um, a lot of beautiful cinematography i guess i guess just the setting is 
beautiful, but uh, the story not there for me. Not there, yeah. Let's see what did Sh- uh, what did Shakespeare in Love beat that everyone? I don't know. Is it from ninety eight? Yeah, no, 90, 99. I feel like it's one of the ones that everyone is angry that it beat something. Well, Matrix came out in 99. Oh, yeah, it beat Saving Private Ryan. Oh, my gosh. And Thin, Thin Red Line and Saving Private Ryan and Shakespeare in Love uh, won. Oh, I've, I, think I've, I think I saw a review lately where someone was like, yeah, it shouldn't have won Best Picture, and it actually like would have been better if it had not won Best Picture, because it it is a fine movie by itself, but now everyone hates it because of what it. Yeah. Made. So it's sort of unfair to the movie and also to Saving Private Ryan that should have won the Oscar. How interesting! I have not seen Gandhi. Um, I happen to know some people that uh, fell asleep on it in the theater. <laughs> I've been told. So that might also be one that's characterized as a long film. Uh, Dances with Wolves and Rain Man both, I think, are exclusively almost just used as sort of jokes at this point. Rain Man gets referenced all the time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Any Anytime you've got someone that's trying to equate to being a savant yeah yep yeah it it definitely entered the like cultural lexicon as a as one but all right well um yeah listeners this like we said we were just taking the movies going back to 1980 right so you can take a look at which is 40 movies everybody Uh, But 1980 was 20 years ago, so I don't know when they started giving more than one Best Picture winner a year, <laughs> but clearly they did. <laughs> uh, but you, you listeners, can take a look at uh, you know a list of winners and see some of the other films that didn't make our cut. But that is going to be a wrap for us this evening. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, we said we'll have Cameron's last episode for a little bit next week until he's back from his little uh, uh, paternity leave. Um, so we're going to be rolling out some guests and maybe some interesting topics and things like that in the meantime. So look forward to all of that coming up. And thanks for tuning in. I want to thank all the listeners out there for voting for what's on draft. I want to thank Madeline for supporting us and for being on the show. Sometimes I want to thank all of our guest hosts that are frequent listeners to the show. And uh, I want to thank you for listening to this episode. This has been an Oscar winning performance by Paul and myself. I hope. Thank you for listening to What's on Draft. 